Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Oh, yes, he's good. Amen. All the time. All the time he is good. How many have been blessed this weekend? Amen. That's all right. Absolutely. Uh, It has been, uh, I I told uh, my wife, it's kind of a, a selfish thing. You know, we, we wanted them to come and minister. We also wanted to spend time with them. And uh, that's, that's a blessing in and of itself. And uh, it has just been just a privilege to have them. We're in halftime right now. Halftime. We got four down. We're about to start in the, number three. All right. So uh, who's going to still help the man of God? All right. Who's going to help these girls sing? I think they're going to sing again in, today. All right, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as they come. I'm sure they're going to get set up. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh. Amen, amen. So thankful to be here once again at First Apostolic Church. I want to give honor as my children are making their way up. They're, if you allow, they are going to sing one more time, if that's okay. But as they're getting ready, I want to give honor to your bishop and his wife, your pastor and his wife. I mean, just mighty family. Just a mighty family. Then you go on to the Masons, both sets. You guys are blessed. You are blessed immensely with the ministry that is within this church, the leadership that is in this church. You don't know how much you are blessed to have them. Can you give them honor this morning? And then I'm so thankful to have my wife and my children with me this morning. They are going to sing. We're we're trying to get them uh, accustomed. So worship with them as they sing this morning. You guys sound beautiful. (laughs) Uh, I sure do love my wife and children. 
If you'll open up your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18, we'll get right into the reading of the Word this morning. If it's alright with you, I've come to find out that I am not a preacher that preaches uh, probably correctly a lot of the times. Uh, I've not come with your typical Sunday morning message, but I've come with a third service of revival message. Is that okay this morning? Awesome. 1 Kings chapter 18 and the first verse would read this way, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Verse 2, And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Jumping to verse 4, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophet's of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Just a few more verses and I'll let you sit down. Verse 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Flip over to 1 Kings 19 in the first verse. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah. The Lord would give us this topic this morning. It's time to kill the messenger, to kill the messenger. Would you put your Bibles down, but lift your voices all across this house this morning unto the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the spirit that we feel in this house. We thank you for the presence that we feel all across this house this morning. God, I pray that you would continue the work, God. Lord, continue what you're doing within this church. Continue moving within the DNA of this church. God, make us willing vessels that we can tie into the supernatural right now. Let us connect with the vein of heaven and the supernatural right now this Sunday morning service. And let it be done in Mount Carmel as it is in heaven. If you agree with that, would you clap your hands unto the Lord before you're seated this morning. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I would like to speak to someone this morning. I know it's Sunday morning. I know you got up dressed and ready to hear a perfect Sunday morning message, but I know that we typically try to go easy on Sunday mornings and that we like to save ourselves for Sunday night. How many know that Sunday night's the night? Okay, we know God is going to pour out, so give something easy to us, minister, on Sunday morning so we can get prepared for tonight. But I want to tell somebody this morning, the Lord would have this word spoken to you because this is the vein that God is going to do through us because I want to go ahead and just tell you that in the aftermath of a victory in your life, maybe in the middle of this revival, you've gotten the victory you've been looking for, you've been praying for, maybe you've gotten the promise that you've, that you've prayed for. 
but only you have been sent a message from hell. There has been a messenger that's come to your doorstep after you've gotten the victory. And maybe perhaps you've not received your victory yet, but the messenger is waiting for you on Monday. When you go back to your jobs, when you go back to your schools and your families, there will be a messenger waiting for you after this revival weekend. When all of this is said and done and we go to our homes, I want to warn somebody in the Holy Ghost that there is going to become a message at your doorstep but I want to go ahead and give you the initiative I want to go ahead and lose someone in the understanding you need to kill your messenger the enemy doesn't like you walking in new authority he doesn't like you walking in victory you received the freedom last night you got your cycle broken he doesn't like that and so what is he going to do he's going to send a messenger to meet you at your doorstep he doesn't like seeing you walk in a new light he's fine with you coming on a Friday night service or on a Saturday night service he's used to you being here on Sunday morning he was fine with all that but because no matter what he could do he could still keep his hands on you he could still have a hold on you he could still get into your mind but to the one that received victory I want to give you a warning in the Holy Ghost this morning there's a messenger coming for you Just as God would speak to his people, just as God would bring victory to his people, just as God would bring peace and and hope, Satan would send a message to you and your doorstep and your family that would bring fear and destruction and perversion. Just as God works, Satan would try to pervert what God has done and do a mockery of it. You see, we know that Elijah knew that he was selected by God to be the prophet of Israel in the time that was needed of him. It says in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, in the first verse, it says, And Elijah, the, the, the Tishbite, who was the inhabitant of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be a dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Elijah was sent to the evil king Ahab to let him know that God was shutting up the sky. He was shutting up heaven and all of the land would fall into a famine. Now wait a minute, God. Wait a minute just right there. Why would you allow us to be in a famine? Why would you allow us to suffer? Did some of you think of that in the the last few months, in the last few years? God, why would you allow us to go through this? Why are you allowing my family to go through this? It feels dry in the house right now. It feels dry in my family. Why are you taking this away from us? Why are you allowing our life source to be taken away You're taking away our drinking water. You're taking away what would water our crops and our livelihood and the lifeblood. Why? But I want to let you know today, God would allow some things into your life to dry up because he's about to demonstrate his power. He's about to demonstrate his divinity. He's about to demonstrate his peace and his hope and his love that he's about to supply to your life. He's just got to let some things dry up so that you can become dependent on God again. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord this morning? Nevertheless, Elijah was sent to go to the evil king Ahab. And later on in chapter 17, we see Elijah come to the house of a woman and he asked her for some water and for some meal. He said, woman, I am hungry. Fetch me some water and make me a meal. 
And the woman would look at him and say, Prophet, I know that you want something to drink. Prophet, I know you need something to eat. But I've got to tell you something. I know you came here to get this of me, but I only have a little bit left. I don't have anything left. In fact, I was planning on going home, baking me a cake for me and my son, and we're going to sit there and die. But here we see a miracle in which Elijah was used to demonstrate. Verse 14 would read this way, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day of the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. But here's a small little tidbit of my message for this morning. After God steps in, after God has moved this situation, after his hands have healed the mess, Satan will take his hands and interject himself into your situation. Prophet, I knew you spoke, and now I have meal for me and my son. We've got water, even though there is no water coming out of heaven. We're fine right now. But then look at this in verse 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Death fell on the Son. After God has stirred your life up, after you received what it was that you were looking for, after God would seek to put together the broken pieces of your life, after He took the shambles of your marriage, after He took the shambles of your family life and your addiction and He put it together, Satan would come in like a thief in the night and stir it all up again. He would bring death to your house again. Yes, God has blessed us with so much that we don't have to worry about where we're going to eat. We don't have to worry about the water, but now my son is dying. He doesn't have any breath in his lungs, and I know that the prophet was used by God to bless me, but now I'm going to turn in on him and say, you came here just to call me out of sin, and you came here to kill my son, but I've come with a reminder for somebody today, when God is moving and Satan comes to pervert it, God will move again. Let me go ahead and tell somebody this morning, you better watch out how you treat the man of God in your life. He is sent here to bless you. He was sent here to be a messenger from God, but you ought to be thankful that you have a pastor in your life that was willing to say, what saith the Lord? That no matter what, when God moves, Satan will try to pervert your thinking. He's going to try to pervert your mind, make you turn on the man of God, but wait just a little bit because God's not done with him yet, and he's going to move in your situation. God just supplied a miracle God just moved God you just gave them the victory but I can tell someone this morning if God moved before be sure to know that he can move again why can you say it with such assurance David because he's moved in my life before and I've seen him do it again and I'm believing that I'll see him do it again when Satan comes to mess up your life be sure that God's going to clean up the mess again because look what it says in chapter 17 and verse 21. And he stretched himself upon the child three times. Elijah put his hands on the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. How many are thankful that we serve a God that can hear us in the midnight hours? He can, he can hear us when we need him. He can hear us when we cry. Your prayers don't go to a ceiling. We don't pray to an idol that can't do anything about it. But 
but it said the Lord heard his cries and the soul of the child came unto him again and he was revived. I've come to tell somebody today when Satan would seek to destroy what your promise came to, when Satan would seek to destroy the promise you were given, God will revive dead promises. God will revive dead situations. When Satan comes against you, God will fix it. Somebody worship him this morning. Man, you may be seated. Need I remind you what kind of God that we serve? We serve a God that can supply all of our needs. The Bible says He will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all what that we can ask or even think. I know that some of you came in today hurting. Some of you came in looking for a promise, but I've come to tell you God's going to do greater than you could ever think or imagine. God's going to go above and beyond anything that you thought you needed. God's going to come in and change every situation. When Satan comes against your promise, when Satan comes against your family, God's going to change it all. He can supply all of our needs. I want to tell somebody this morning, we serve a God that when he speaks, nature has to bend to his word. When he speaks, death has to answer the call. When God speaks, it is so. When God speaks, creation answers. When God speaks, every devil in hell has to run away. And when God speaks, the miraculous opens up. And when we come to the end of the 17th chapter, it comes to this verse in verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth. And it is truth. I know that you are a man of God. What kind of reassurance would that give to an Elijah going up against King Ahab? He knows what's about to take place in the next chapter. He knows what's about to come up. But what kind of reassurance would you receive if God spoke to you and said, You are the man that I need in this time. Elijah walked in a realm with God that very few others have walked in since the book was written. But we see the miracles done in chapter 17. We see the miracles done through Elijah, that God used Elijah as his instrument, as his vessel that he could pour into to bless the woman. And now we come to chapter 18, and perhaps we know it as the most important event in Elijah's life in chapter 18. And it opens up in the first verse of chapter 18. We read it earlier. It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord said to Elijah in the third year, Go, show yourself unto Ahab, because I'm about to do what I said I was going to do. I'm about to open up the heavens that I shut up years ago. I'm about to open up blessings that I closed up years ago. Why? Because I'm about to demonstrate my power. I'm about to answer by fire. I'm about to do something greater than you ever thought I could do. Of course, most of us know this story, but, but just in a few verses, Elijah would call on the idol prophets of Baal. He would call unto them and he said, come up to me, we're going to go have a battle of the gods. 1 Kings 18 and 19, now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. 
I can do simple math. I know I went to Medora High School, but I can say 400 plus 450. Well, that's 850 people that Elijah was going to have to stand in front of. We can see that Elijah calls to the prophets of Baal and says, come on, we're going to see who's truly God on Mount Carmel. It came down to Elijah versus the 850. You think you're by yourself? Could you imagine being in his shoes when he would look up and see 850 people all coming against him, all looking to destroy him, all looking to disprove him, all looking to disprove his God. But he said, build yourself an altar and bring the sacrifice. Build yourself an altar and I'm going to bring my sacrifice and we're going to see who answers by fire and the God that answers by fire, let him be God. So it says they accept the challenge only to be met with silence when they bring their offering to Baal. They said they cried. They gave the offering. They tried to please Baal. They prayed and they sought and they cried. And Elijah said, you cannot be heard by Baal. It got to the point where they began to cut themselves and bleed over the sacrifice just to get a hold of Baal. But let me tell you something. There was still no answer in the idol. Then Elijah came up. He prayed a prayer. It was a simple prayer at that. I've come to tell somebody tonight, you don't have to speak in the King James to get a hold of God. You can just say a simple prayer, but let me tell you, God will demonstrate his power. God will demonstrate his strength. He will demonstrate his divinity. He's going to answer by fire in somebody's life. And then the Bible says that their hearts were turned back to God. And God didn't stop there. God didn't even let the chapter end before he moved again. Yes, the, the answering by fire was amazing. Yes, could you imagine watching fire fall from out of the sky and then to look and see over 850 people. In fact, you would see a whole nation turn their hearts back to God at the demonstration. But God said, Elijah, get ready because I'm not done yet. I've got more on the way. You thought the fire falling was enough. You thought that them turning their hearts back was enough, but I'm not done because in the middle of the famine, God was not only going to show his divinity, but he was about to shower out the blessings upon Israel. He was about to shower out blessings upon the children. Verse 44 of chapter 18, and it came to pass at the seventh time. We know the story. Elijah said, go servant, go check on the mountain and see when the rain is coming. And it said, and he passed at the seventh time. He said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud at the, like the size of a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare your chariot, Ahab, and get thee down lest the rain stop thee not. The fire wasn't enough for God. The fire wasn't enough to demonstrate his power. The mass repentance wasn't enough for him, but God was about to undo what he had done to the earth because their eyes had finally been opened to his divinity, to his power, that he was God. And he said, now that you've got the understanding, now that you've got the revelation, now that you know who I am, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you my blessings. Does anybody want the blessings of God in their life this morning? 
And all of that time, Elijah has been used as the mouthpiece. All of this time, God has used the flesh in Elijah to do the miraculous. He has used Elijah as the man of the hour. Elijah was used mightily by God. He alone stood against the prophets on the other side. And at the end of the chapter, we see when Ahab got in his chariot, it said Elijah quickened within himself. Some say he picked up himself by the bootstraps and he outran the horses and he outran the chariot back to the city so we know God used Elijah God gave him victory God blessed him but then we come to the first verse of the 19th chapter and this is where the Lord wants us to get to in the first verse it says and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword And this is where it comes down to. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Elijah, I know my prophets have gone down. I know my prophets have slain. But I've come to tell you, let the gods destroy me. If I don't kill you, come tomorrow. If I don't attack you, come tomorrow. Let the gods destroy me. What God would have you know this morning is that there is a shift within this church. There is a moving within the DNA. I believe it so much. We're going to talk a little bit more about it tonight, but God is wanting to unleash this church. God is setting it up for the greatest revival it has ever seen. God is setting you up for great and mighty things, but I send you a warning in the Holy Ghost because when God uses you and the victories start pouring out and the blessings start pouring in and the families start pouring in and the pews begin to fill and the victories come... Jezebel is going to send you a message. But let it be a reminder that Jezebel would have never sent the message if she was scared in the first place. She's worried of what Elijah is going to do. The devil is worried of what this church is available to do. So he's going to send you a message. So I warn you in the Holy Ghost, don't worry. Don't fret. Just kill the messenger and keep going. Just keep going. Just keep fighting. Just keep prophesying. Keep preaching the word because you've got to kill the messenger. Somebody pray. Praise him this morning. She didn't want Elijah's march of victory to go any longer, so she sent the messenger. And this causes Elijah to go into a fit of depression. Verses 3 and 4 of chapter 19. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He ran away because he was scared to death. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. God, won't you just kill me now? I don't know about some of you, but I remember praying those prayers late at night. God, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. Just go ahead and cut me loose and take me home. I'm done. I'm scared to death. I've left everybody behind. I'm in the wilderness all by myself. I'm under this juniper tree, which had enough shade for one person. And it was Elijah. And he sat there and said, God, just kill me now because I'm done. I'm through. 
Elijah was now in a fit of depression. He was suicidal, begging God to end his life. What stood out to me, and this is what God would want this church to know in this coming season that you're about to walk in. If Jezebel really wanted Elijah out of the picture, if Jezebel really wanted Elijah dead, she would have never sent a messenger. She would have sent an assassin. She would have killed Elijah. But what Jezebel understood is if I can keep him silent, it's more powerful than killing him. If I can keep silent the mouthpiece of God, he will no longer have victory. If I killed Elijah, someone else would have been raised up. But if I can keep him silent... Victory wouldn't come out. If Jezebel would have killed Elijah, somebody else would have taken his place. But if Elijah was so scared to even speak, the mouthpiece of God would no longer open up. And when God begins a work in your life and in this church, the enemy is going to send a messenger. Some of you may have felt it this morning. Some of you may not have felt it. But some of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning and there's going to be a messenger to remind you who they are. But I've come with a Holy Ghost reminder. I would to God that someone here this morning would be quickened in the spirit and say, when I come and I meet the messenger at the door, I'm going to have one response and that's to kill the messenger. Satan only attacks what God is using. Satan only attacks what God is preparing for bigger and better things. So when the messenger comes to the door, kill the messenger and just keep marching because God's about to unleash. God's about to do a work. God's about to release you. Just get ready. Let the messenger be a reminder of what God is going to do through you. Satan only attacks what God is using. Satan only attacks what God has his hands on. Just ask the apostle Paul when he was bitten by the viper in Malta. Well, why would Satan attack Paul in such a manner? Because after the snake bite on his hand, we read just a few verses later, after he shook the viper off into the fire and the viper died, it said that Paul got up and he put his hands on the man stricken with disease and with fever and he was healed. What does that tell me that Satan will always attack what God is about to use. So when Satan comes to your door, let it be a reminder, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right time. I'm about to be used by God. Young person, when Satan attacks you on Monday, let it be a reminder that God's about to use me. You pastor, you whenever you get up and you preach the word and Satan attacks you, let it be a reminder that I'm doing the will of God. You parents, when you go home tomorrow and Satan attacks you, let it realize I'm in the will of God and I'm doing in the will of God. Let me warn you in the Holy Ghost that the messengers are on the way. We are promised attacks in this walk with God. That They are sent to silence your walk with God. The enemy wants to silence you at your jobs. He wants to silence you in your families. He wants to silence you at your schools. He wants to silence you in all of that. But let me say this. You may be in Elijah's shoes this morning. You may feel all the attacks. You may feel the messenger that tells you you're going to die. Or you may find yourself in that position 
direction in the future. It may look bleak to you right now. You may be like the prophet and fall into a season of depression. It may look dark all around you, but that there's nothing left for you. But let me go ahead and preach to somebody this morning because I found it in the beginning of the book that in the middle of darkness, that's when God gets creative. In the middle of darkness, that's when God begins to speak and make something new. It was in the darkness that God created the universe. It was in the darkness that God got creative and built all of that we know. It's in the darkness that God begins a work. So know this church, if Jezebel has sent an evil messenger to your heart, and it seems dark all around you, and you're surrounded by darkness. You may be like Elijah in the middle of depression. Be sure within yourself that when it feels as though you're in your darkest moment, that God will step in and supply all that you need. For Elijah, it was a meal. But for you, it may be a word through your pastor. For you, it may be a kind gesture by a friend. But let me tell you this, in the middle of it, underneath the juniper tree, God will send you what you need in that time and you're going to be able to walk up out of there bigger and better than ever before because if Elijah would have died we never would have seen Elisha be able to walk in the mantle of God but because God supplied the need Elijah was able to carry on no matter what it is in your darkest hour know that God is rolling up his sleeves and he's about to do a work in your darkest hour God sees you when you're there God knows you're under the juniper tree God knows that you're all alone. When it feels like your prayers are hitting a glass ceiling, let it know it's tickling the ears of God and he's going to supply you all that you need. When I feel suicidal, when I feel like giving up, when I feel like throwing in the towel, that's when God's about to step in and supply everything that you need to continue on. You've just got to kill the thing telling you that you need to die. You need to destroy everything that would seek to hinder you. You need to destroy the thing that would seek to stop you. Kill the messenger this morning. You may be seated this morning. I find no greater story to support this than what is found in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, now, what in the world does this have to do with messengers and Jezebel and Elijah? You may ask, what does this story have to do with anything about, about darkness and the, the attacks of the enemy? What does it have to do with what we're talking about? Well, let me tell you, where Jesus is standing in Caesarea Philippi, there is a water inlet. And at this water inlet is an opening of a cave. And that cave goes down to the water. At Caesarea Philippi, there was a, a, a giant following of people. You could say it was a cult. You could say it was a religion. But they believed that there was power in that cave. They would commit terrible acts at this opening. They would sacrifice to idols in the name of fertility. They would sacrifice their children. They would commit terrible sexual acts with their children and with animals around them. And then they would kill the sacrifice and throw it in the water just to get some prosperity, just to get some money, just to get some fertility, whatever. And as where Jesus is standing, he's surrounded by all of this evil. He's surrounded by all of this this mess and this darkness, surrounded by all this darkness. And then Jesus speaks a phrase that we cling to when we have a messenger attack us. 
And he says in verse 18, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Can I tell you what that place was called in Caesarea Philippi? It was known as the gates of hell. So when he said that, he wasn't just talking about literal hell. He was saying the darkness that is within this world, if you will hold on to a revelation, I will give you all that you need. And the darkness of this world, the evil that is within this world, the perversion that is within this world, I will give you everything you need to get out of it. I've come to tell somebody this morning, Satan would seek to silence you, but in the middle of darkness, in the middle of worry, in the middle of pain, in the middle of depression, in the middle of suicidal thoughts, God is going to bring you a word that you need in time. God's about to open up fresh revelation. That's why I come here on Sundays to hear pastor. That's why I come here on midweeks to hear the word because I might be in my darkest time and that's when God's going to speak to me the most. That's why I need the word in my life. That's why I need the revelation of God in my life because it was the revelation that told him in the darkest hour, I'm going to bring you through. I'm going to build my church on you and the evil around this world shall not prevail. Jezebel, you're not going to prevail. Evil around this world, you're not going to prevail. Perversion, you're not going to fail. God is going to bring you a word in the time of need and God is going to bring every word of revelation that you need in the time you need it. He will bring you a word that will unleash you from the hold that the messenger has placed on you and your life. I wonder if there's anyone ready to kill the messenger this morning. If you're ready, would you stand to your feet all across this house? Lift your hands and prepare yourself this morning. Let it be an equipping this morning. Let it, let it be a moment of equipping yourself. Because the attack's not come yet. The messenger hasn't came yet. But let me tell you, he is coming. But if we prepare ourselves now, if we get the revelation now, if we get the understanding now, we will be able to vanquish the enemy. We will be able to go above and beyond what the enemy would seek to kill us. Come on, let's pray this morning, church. Music, if you want to come, you can. But let's begin to pray all across this house that God is preparing you. God is preparing you. He has to equip you if He's going to unleash you. He's going to equip you with everything you need if He's going to unleash spiritual giftings, if He's going to release the word of prophecy, if He's going to release healings and miracles. You have to be prepared with what's going to come with it. You've got to be prepared with the enemy that's going to Come against it. Come on, church. Let's come to these altars this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. We know the story of the mighty eagle and how it's at the top of its food chain. But let me tell you, there is one thing that would seek to kill an eagle. There is one enemy of the eagle, and that is the crow. The crow would pick at the back of his neck. But what does the eagle do? The eagle doesn't fight back. The eagle doesn't push back. The eagle doesn't do anything else. But it just begins to fly. And it flies to a height that the crow cannot survive in. That's what we need to do this morning. 
start going to a height that the enemy cannot reach. Go to a height that the enemy of your soul cannot touch. Come on, we need to elevate ourselves and get closer to God because the enemy is sending the messenger, but God will supply what you need. God will raise you up, it says in the psalmist. He will raise me up on wings like eagles. Oh God, I pray you would lift up a generation right now and prepare them for bigger and better things. God, prepare us for the unleashing. Prepare us for greater things. And God, prepare our hearts this morning. Come on, begin to lift him up all across this house. Come on and worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. God, have your way this morning. When the messenger comes, give us the wisdom to destroy it. Give us the wisdom to fight back. Give us the wisdom to stand in the darkest hour. Give us the wisdom to fight in the season that you've placed us in. This generation may seem so dark. This generation may seem so bleak. We may be staring into the gates of hell. But Jesus, I know your word and you're going to see us through. I know your word and you're going to build a church that the gates of hell are not going to prevail. You're going to make us be strong. You're going to make us mighty. We just have to have the strength to carry on. Come on and lift your voices all across this house this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.